How is everybody today? So the, uh, the title of my sermon today is Comforting the Afflicted or Afflicting the Comfortable. <laughs> and that song is so beautiful, not because there is a personal God that's going, well, I'm going to cause you pain so that you will come closer to me. That's not the way it works. But I have noticed in my own life, maybe it's different for you, that my willingness to change is directly proportional to how desperately I hate where I am right now. <laughs> right? When it hurts, I'm willing to change. When it doesn't hurt, I'm willing to go, well, I'll probably change someday. I'll probably do something different someday. And I love this, um, that quote from St. Teresa of Avila. If you've never read any of her works, she was somebody who lived God in her heart in such beautiful ways and expressed it so beautifully in her writings. And when your arrow pierced my wounded heart, I have noticed that sometimes when I am the most deeply in grief, the most deeply disillusioned by the world or by the people in it, are the times when my heart is open enough to hear something new, something that could transform me. So that's the idea. We've been talking about paradox and trying to hold Two truths that seem to be opposite from each other, but actually are both very true at the same time. Last week, we talked about the paradox of East and West. In the West, we're punished for our sins, and our sins keep us separate from God. We've done it wrong. The East sees it a little differently. It says we're punished by our sins because it's the things that we do that make us separate from God that hurt us the most. Different way of looking at it. And sin just means missing the mark. You know, you weren't right on the target, went somewhere off to the side. So this idea that when we do things that take us away from God, we punish ourselves. There is no judgment where we're being punished and sent away. We walk away. We walk away. We take ourselves away. So there's this also this paradox that um, Jesus did come to bring comfort to the world. We have lots and lots of scriptures that, that talk about this. And you know, direct quote or not direct quote, there were enough witnesses that knew what he was saying. I'm just going to read a little bit from Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and even eats with them. How dare you have dinner with a sinner? And then Jesus told them this parable, because he was crafty that way. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and he says, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. Isn't that a beautiful idea? That, that you are actually pursued by love. You can walk away from it, but love is looking for you around every corner. In Matthew, also, he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my burden is easy, my yoke is light. He's saying the way of love does not weigh so heavily as all of the other kinds of burdens that we put upon ourselves, the weight of perfectionism, the weight of judgment, the weight of having to have an opinion about every single thing and put everybody in their category so we can know whether it's okay to eat with them or not. That's what the Pharisees did. That's why they were so incensed that Jesus said, dude, it's lunchtime, I'm eating. Whoever shows up gets to eat with me. If you don't want to, that's, that's up to you. But I don't discriminate. I don't discriminate. He said that. I don't know how a religion was developed around him that is all about discriminating and judging and separating. But that is not the truth of what he, the teacher, Jesus, came to teach. In John, he said, I give you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. So you must also love each other. That means you are pursued when you are lost, and that means you get to pursue anyone else that is lost. Not to give them your opinion, but to offer them your love. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples, that you love each other. Ooh, I love that one. So if you're not loving each other, you can't really say you're a disciple of Jesus. You can't really say you're a Christian, whatever that means in this world today, without loving. And one more in John 14, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Not as the world gives you peace for a moment, or um, as a reward at the end of a long war for a moment till the next one starts, but a different kind of peace, a peace that passes all understanding, a peace that comes from living the love that is the truth of who you are in your heart. There is no other peace that you will find. You may find a quiet moment, but you will not find peace until you are living the love that is in your heart. There is no such thing as you're too far gone. Thank God for that. Peace is our birthright. It is our being. It is ours to claim. And so all we have to do is stop doing all of the things that make us not peaceful. And one of the things that we do that make us not peaceful the most is judging. Have you ever considered how much work it is to judge everybody you see? <laughs> including yourself. It's like you have to have all these categories. Occasionally meet somebody and go, well, they don't even fall in any of these categories. I have to make a new category for that guy. How do I act around him? What if you just went, you know, everybody's doing what they're here to do. And even if they weren't, it's not my business. What am I doing? How am I loving? When I look in the mirror, what do I see? Because most of the time when we're judging someone out there, it is to distract us from the fact that we're judging ourselves. And that doesn't feel so good. And Jesus doesn't say, judge yourself. Jesus says, judge not, lest ye be judged. It's this idea that if you live in love, then the rules don't matter. 
When the Pharisees were so upset because they had, I mean, oh my gosh, they had rules and rules and rules and rules and rules and rules about what to wear, what to eat, how to eat it, what can touch another thing on the same plate, what can't be eaten together, what kind of clothes you are to wear, what kind of people you talk to, where you go, how you get there, all of those rules. And Jesus broke those rules because he said the rules are made to serve us. And if the rules are helpful to our being more loving in this world, amen, let's do it. But if the rules get in the way of us being our best selves, then the rules don't matter. We're not here to serve them. They're here to serve us. You might need a different rule. Or actually what he said was, this is the only thing you need to know. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor because your neighbor is yourself. Okay, it's a simile, which means you take two things and you compare them and say they are exactly alike. Not love your neighbor as if your neighbor were yourself, but love your neighbor as you would love yourself. And then the deeper teaching in that is, we tend to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And so when we don't feel good about ourselves, we sure don't feel good about our neighbors. When we are judging every word that we speak and every step that we take according to some rule book that's in our head or on paper somewhere, then we are judging other people according to that rule book. And so love your neighbor as yourself, not more than yourself, not instead of yourself, not as if it were yourself, but as yourself which means try to find that peaceful place where you can just be loving. In the East, they say you can love. Love can be an intransitive verb. You can love without having an object to love. You don't have to say, I love this, or I love that, or I love another thing. You can simply be in the depths of who you are and say, I love. And that is love without condition. That is love, period. That is unconditional love. And so Jesus said all these things. This is what I brought you. I bring you peace. I let you know the judgment stuff. It doesn't really matter. Are you loving? Are you loving? If you want to know that you are actually following this way, this beautiful, the way, the truth, the life, if you were gonna be following that way, then you are loving. And if you're not loving, it doesn't matter how many rules you check, up, check off on your list, you are not following the way, this is the way of love. And he said it gently and he said it tenderly. And then in another place he says, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or their mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. What? Didn't he just kind of say the opposite of that? So we have to dig down into it. And I believe that what he is saying is, I didn't come to say, just keep doing what you're doing. I came to say, take a good look at what you're doing. 
And the sword is not the sword of, I'm going to slice you in the half. It's the sword of the arrow that pierces the wounded heart so we can open up to all of the love that there is. That's the idea. This sword that cuts away what isn't the truth, the sword that cuts away what doesn't work, what doesn't serve you, which does not bring you into love, which does not bring love to you or love from you. Those are the things that the sword cuts away. Anything that separates you in mind or body or heart from the oneness that is the truth of you, that one love, that's what the sword is here to cut away. In Buddhism, the sword is a symbol and it's called the fierce sword of compassion. Ooh, the fierce sword of compassion. Because you know what? To love always, we're not talking about bunnies and teddy bears here. There are people in this world, you probably won't believe this, there are people in this world, it's really hard to love. And there are days when I find it hard to love me. And so this is actual deep work here, this sword that says, don't accept a moment of quiet or distraction as peace, because peace is something more than that. You might have to cut away the distractions. You might have to cut away the things that at this moment seem more important to you than love, than oneness, than being with God, than being with love, than, being, than living as love. And it can be anything. It's not about you got to you know, slash down your father or your mother or your daughter or your mother-in-law. No, no, no. It means if anything in this world is more important to you than the love that you are and came here on this earth purposefully to express, then you need to set that thing aside and let love be number one. That's all it says. It doesn't say don't love your mother or your father or your daughter or your mother-in-law. It says make sure that you are being true to the love that you are. And when you are, then your love for your daughter and your father and your mother-in-law and your mother will be true love, unconditional love from a place of love and through the eyes of love. That's what happens when we cut away those distractions. Distractions is sort of an easy word for it. Distractions, your phone. I just spent a whole weekend with, um, or actually four days with my almost 16-year-old grandson who is, we, I, we couldn't surgically detach him from his phone. We took him to the beach. He's like, no, I'm good. It's like, dude, there's a whole ocean out there. Oh, I'm good. Distraction. Distraction. What? We, and we do this. I do it too. I do it too. You ever find? It used to be that I would go to a doctor's appointment and I would be sitting in the waiting room and I would sit and wait. How many of you just sit and wait anymore? I got a, I got a game to play. I can get on Facebook. Or I can communicate with. I can keep working. I don't have to not work just because I'm sitting in the doctor's office. I can keep working because I've got this little thing. We distract ourselves. And that's okay. It's not wrong to work. It's not wrong to play. It's not wrong to do something fun. It's not wrong to stay in touch with people. But if you can't be quiet and alone with yourself for a moment, there is something, some information there 
for us. There's some information there for us. If we can't spend a quiet moment alone without turning on the TV, without picking up our phone. For me, I pick up a book, which is so much more socially acceptable. Look at me, I'm a reader. <laughs> but it's the same thing. It's distraction. It's I'm in here, not in here. I'm at the ocean, this world, this beautiful world, and I am playing with my phone or my fantasy life in, in a book, or thinking that I'm giving myself more knowledge. Look at me, I'm just reading and I'm getting knowledge. Well, I am, there's nothing wrong with reading, but am I using it to distract me from my actual life? And those are questions that only you can answer for yourself. I can't answer that for you. I can only answer it for me. What Jesus was saying about this sword thing, he says, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. That's what he told the disciples. Be wise as a snake and be innocent as a dove. It means pay attention. Pay attention. Your innocence is who you are, but if you don't use the wisdom that is given you, you may end up letting your, in, your innocence become gullibility and fall into something that is not what you meant to fall into. That's what can happen with our distractions. It seemed like a fun thing. Alcohol, drugs, it can be a fun thing until it's not anymore, until it's taken over your life. Facebook seemed like a fun thing until 2016 when all of the ugliness in the world showed up on it. It still can be a fun thing. A tool is a tool. It depends upon how you use it. Jesus came to say it's not easy. Yes, love one another. Ah, but it's not easy. Don't think it's easy because it's not. It's simple, but it's not easy. He says, I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. <laughs> yeah, it's easy to love the people that love us. It's even easy to love the people who, oh, well, you know, he's just another reader. I get that. <laughs> we're, we're like that. But when someone spite, spitefully uses and persecutes you, can you love? That's hard. That is graduate level love. And that's what we're here to do. And yeah, we have to start with the teddy bear. We have to start with the basics, but we are challenged to not stay there. We cannot eat spiritual baby food for a whole lifetime and expect to grow. We have to eat the food that is presented to us. Every day, our teacher appears. And our teacher may be the dog, the teacher may, this morning I was meditating, I was doing this meta prayer, I was, my dog starts barking, 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 wanting in. And I won't tell you the word that I used when I let her in the door, like, I was trying to meditate. <laughs> and I heard myself doing it and I went, oh, okay. Thank you for your patience, God. But it's not easy. It's not easy. But it is why I believe it's why we're here. The Buddha said, our oath, this is from the Dhammapada, our own worst enemy cannot harm us as much as our unwise thoughts. No one can help us as much as our compassionate thoughts. Ooh, he didn't say as our wise thoughts, as our compassionate thoughts.
I love that. Whatever the hateful do to the hateful or an enemy to an enemy, worse is the harm of a misguided mind directed toward oneself. That means you have to school your thoughts. It's, it's not that hard to school our behavior, you know, once we get past a certain age, if we've been taught. It's not that hard to school our behavior. But man, is it hard to school those thoughts. And when we entertain thoughts over a long period of time, they become our behavior. Make no mistake. And so here's this sword. Can you picture it in your mind when you say, here's this thing I keep doing, I wish I wouldn't do it, I see that it's harming me. Can you visualize a sword just slicing it right off? You know, Jesus also said, if your right hand offends you, cut it off and throw it into the fire. He didn't mean cut off your hand. He meant whatever it is that is keeping you from being the love that you are and seeing others as the love that they are, get rid of it. It can't be in the driver's seat. It can hang out in the back, but you can't let it in the driver's seat. Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And then Thich Nhat Hanh, beautiful Buddhist monk, amazing teacher of peace, says, to love our enemy is impossible. The moment we understand our enemy, we feel compassion toward him or her, and he or she is no longer our enemy. When I reach the place where I understand that I don't have enemies, that I just have a lot of people who are functioning in their life on false information, the number one falsehood being that somehow they're not lovable or not already loved and that they have to manipulate the world to try to get the love that they want the same way I do. Once I know that and can see that clearly, then I don't have any enemies. It doesn't matter what they do to me. If I understand where this is coming from, and my heart is opened in that, in that love of I know exactly what it feels like to be so afraid that I won't get enough love, approval, approbation, money, whatever, that I won't have enough. I know exactly how that feels. And so when you look at me and you are despitefully using me or manipulating me, if I can have this wise thought, keep my innocence, but have the wise thought that says, and you are doing exactly what I do, and I know how it feels, and I have nothing but compassion for you. You're not my enemy. Unfortunately, right now, you're your own enemy. And most of the time, I'm my own enemy. But I don't have to have an enemy out there if I can use my understanding if I can use that sword to slice through the bull and see what is true. So here's the thing that Jesus came to teach us. Love, number one, love. That's really what he said over and over and over and over again. I don't know how things have gotten so twisted that we've decided it means all these other things. But I think what he said is, I didn't come for you to feel comfortable all the time. 
I didn't come for you to feel complacent or self-congratulatory. Look at me, I'm real spiritual. Whoop, done my work, I'm a rest now. <laughs> That's not the point. We're never done. So love, love dares us, dares us to open our eyes and to do our life in a different way. Afflictions, swords, they're just wake-up calls. They're not here to cut you in half or harm you. They're here to say, wake up. There is nothing more important than you knowing the love that you are. Nothing, no one and nothing is more important this, in this world than you recognizing the love that you are. And from that space, being able to understand the love that everyone else is, because you ain't different. And I ain't different. We are all one. Jesus was a teacher more in the wisdom tradition, the Sophia tradition of the East, much more so than we have interpreted, I believe, in the West. He, a lot of the things he said were like koans in, in Zen Buddhism, a, a phrase that seems to not make sense. What is the sound of one hand clapping? Is a famous Zen koan. There is no way that your reasoned mind can figure that out. And the purpose of a koan is for you to bypass your reason and get into your heart. So wise as serpents, innocent of doves, do you think I came to bring peace? I came to bring a sword. Get out of your complacency. Quit trying to reason out in your mind and get into your heart. That's where the love is. That's where the source is. And then the simplicity of life will be wonderful and beautiful. I'm going to close today with a quote from the Gospel of Thomas, Logian 7. Yeshua said, whoever searches must continue to search until he finds. If you're searching and you haven't found the love, it just means you're not done yet. Continue searching until he finds. And when he finds, he will be disturbed. Whoa, I thought that was going to say, when he finds, he will go, oh, everything's just rosy now. No, when he finds, he will be disturbed because the truth probably ain't what you've been taught it is. And having been disturbed, he will be astonished. Okay? We don't get left in disturbedness. We get disturbed, and as our heart awakens from that disturbation, which is probably not a word, <laughs> when our heart awakens from that deep being disturbed, then our astonishment comes in. Then he will be astonished, and then he will reign over everything. That means when I get to the core of what the love is, of what it is to be love, of what it is to be love in the world, to give love, to have love, to understand love is my source, to understand that the only thing in this world I have to give is love, to understand that the only thing in this world that I need to open myself to receive is love, then, then I got it. I reign over the world not as king of other people, but as king of my own soul, which is the point. What is the sword in your life today? What, 
can you feel maybe needs to be cut away in order for you to understand the depth of the truth of the love that you are? I can't answer it, but I know you can. Thank you. So we'll just take that into meditation for a moment. So I invite you to just get your body comfortable where you are so that it's not a distraction. And breathe. And allow that infilling of breath to energize and oxygenate your body, knowing that that is God's gift to you in this moment. And then allow that breath to be released. Because there's more love coming, you don't have to hold on to it. Love is like breath, always provided. Can't save it. Can't hold on to it. But you can trust that more is coming in each moment, and so letting go becomes the same as receiving. Giving and receiving are the same. They're not different. A breath is a beautiful metaphor of life, which is like that. Giving and receiving are not the separate. They're the same. So from this place of recognition that your very breath is the evidence of the love supplied to you in this moment, I invite you into this meta prayer which we have decided to practice individually all month. May I have happiness and the causes of happiness. May I be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. May I never be parted from freedom's true joy. May I rest at peace in equanimity free from all desire and aversion. May I be in a space where I understand that all I need is love and all is love. And then if you can call to mind someone who maybe feels like an enemy, someone that stirs up your fear or your anger. And just for this moment, instead of entertaining that anger, open your heart, allow the sword to cut through and open your heart so that you can pray, may you have happiness and the causes of happiness. May you be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. 
May you never be parted from freedom's true joy. May you rest in peace, in equanimity, free, free from all desire and aversion. and the causes of happiness. May all beings be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. May all beings never be parted from the freedom of true joy or the joy of true freedom. May all beings rest in peace, in equanimity, free from all desires and all aversions. May we all rest in this truth that is the love that we know, that some part of us, no matter how deeply buried, understands is our truth. to rest in that place and to trust. And to cut away what doesn't serve so that we can be free. Free from all of those judgments. Free of having decide to decide who gets in and who has to stay out. Free from and them. Free from distraction. Free from self-judgment. Resting in the truth that love is who we are. is why we're here, is our only true path and our only true home. And so it is. Amen.